Matthew 6, 31. Let's start right there. Matthew chapter 6. We'll start in verse 31. Matthew 6, 31 says, Therefore, do not be anxious. That means don't worry, right? Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Amen? How many thousand times have you heard that verse? Lots. Lots and lots of times. Well, let's start in verse 31. Let's take a quick look. Through, this, uh, through these verses, it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Now, we have to think about what we're going to eat. Like, think about it. we got to think about what we're going to wear, what we're going to drink. We gotta, you have to think about it. If the verse doesn't say, you know, don't think about it. I mean, you go out to, you know, Hey, honey, let's go out to eat tonight. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't care, wherever you want to go. I mean, somebody has to make a decision about what we're going to eat, right? You have to think, like Miriam, you, you don't just kids sit down at the table and you say, what are we going to eat, you guys? I don't know, Mom, what do you want to eat? I don't care, whatever we eat, you know. No, you think ahead about what you're going to eat. The verse is not telling you don't think about what you're going to eat. It'd be real bad if we got up in the morning and hadn't thought about what we were going to wear to church. I mean, that might be really bad, right? You've got to d- consider what kind of groceries you're going to go buy and those kind of things. It's not saying that. It's saying don't worry about it. Don't have an anxious thought. Like, don't, don't get to the point where you say, I don't even know if we're going to be able to feed this baby this week because, you know, we, we don't have enough. I don't, I don't know how in the world we're going to... Uh, Honey, how in the world are we going to get some new shoes for the kids? Look at those holes in her shoes, and, and, and we don't even have $2 in our bank account. What are we going to do? That's worry. You see the difference, right? You should never have a fretful, anxious thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, all the things that you know that God knows that you need. Right? He's given us a promise to provide. Amen? And matter of fact, that is a... You know, we always say the Ten Commandments, but there's commandments throughout the Bible. And don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, and live is a commandment. And if we step into a place of worrying about those things, guess what we're doing? We're sinning. We've stepped over into sin. Right? And I don't want to do that. So don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, and live. And then verse 32 says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, the Gentiles, when Matthew talks about the Gentiles, and when other, the Gospels say the Gentiles, and they're writing to the Jews, they're saying unbelievers. So the Gentiles in this verse is talking about people who don't believe. It says the people who don't believe in Jesus, they're the ones that are worrying. And they need to know that the Father knows what they need, right? Right? You've got to be set apart from the world. You don't respond to things like the world. Amen? God knows. He has a plan. He has not been taken off guard by your power bill jumping up $50. Right? He knows. He knows. And he has made a way. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, well then, what am I supposed to do then? I mean, it doesn't change. Him knowing doesn't change the fact that I've got it. I've got, I I need some shoes for the children. Or I've got this extra $50 on my power bill. I mean, it's a fact. And so, okay, I'm not going to worry. But what do I do? What do I do? Well, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Did you hear it? 
Seek first the kingdom of God. If we seek his kingdom first, then he promises to provide the stuff that we spend so much time worrying about anyway. Right? It says all things, all of these things will be added to you. All of these things will be given to you if you seek his kingdom first. If we seek his kingdom first, put it first in our life. And so, let me read you what it says in the Passion. It says, as you passionately seek his kingdom above all else, he will supply your needs. I mean, that's cut and dry, right? It says what it says. And so, you know, that's easy to read it and say, amen. That's good. That sounds great. But how? How do you seek the kingdom first? Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all this stuff will be added to you. So I'm not supposed to worry. I'm supposed to seek the kingdom. But how do you go about doing that, right? How? What? Matter of fact, what even does that mean? Seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to find out. Y'all ready to seek the kingdom first? We got a lot of things going on in our lives, don't we? We got a lot of things like coming around us, coming in our head, things we have to deal with, decisions we have to make, the job, the kids, the the house, the bills. Y'all are saying amen, amen, right? Got to go cut the grass, right? You got to cook dinner, need to go take a shower, got to get ready for tomorrow, got to lay out my clothes, got to go walk the dog, right? Need to watch a little TV, you know. I need to chill out for a little while. Got a lot of things going on. On, You know, that's just day-to-day stuff. On top of that, we got, well, I need to build a deck on the back of my house, so I'm going to work on that. You know, and, and, oh, you know, the kids got soccer practice. I got three nights a week, I got to take them to soccer practice. I got all that going on, and, you know, on, on a... Whatever night it is, I got Zumba dance class, right? I mean, I got a lot of things to do. A lot of stuff to think about. You know, and some people say, well, I can't come to dive because I got so-and-so, you know, to do on that night. You know, that's the night I, 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 um, I do my nails. I can't, I can't come to corporate prayer on, on Friday nights because Friday night, you know, every Friday night I go to the... I go get ice cream. There's no way once a month I can come to corporate prayer. I mean, I got a lot going on in my life. I need that ice cream. Y'all see what I'm saying, right? We have a lot to do. A lot of things going on in our life. And please, please don't misunderstand me. Those things are necessary. I mean, it's necessary to cut the grass. It's necessary to, you know, take a shower. It's even necessary to build a deck on your house and all the other things that we choose to do. Those things are not unimportant, right? That You need to do them. I mean, we got to live, right? So you need to do them. But, listen to me, those things are a picture of you building your own kingdom. That's us building our own kingdom. And it's not all bad, don't get me wrong. But most of it's not eternal. It's me building my own kingdom. And so, if I'm this busy building my own kingdom, where in the world am I going to find any extra time to seek first the kingdom? Where am I going to squeeze that in? I mean, I, I, do, I go to church every Sunday morning. I even come to dive on Wednesday night. See, I'm seeking the kingdom. I mean, I read my Bible every single night before I go to bed. That's me. I'm seeking the kingdom. What more can I possibly do? I can't squeeze another thing in my day. Have you ever said that to yourself? I, I have. I have. But yet the Word says, seek first the kingdom. And see, we interpret that to say, seek first the kingdom means seek first church. Or seek first Bible reading. Don't we? We count those things as seeking the kingdom. 
seek first prayer. But didn't say seek first prayer, did it? Said seek first the kingdom. And those things, prayer is necessary. I mean, it's a commandment too. Going to church, that's necessary. You know, getting your Bible read, your Bible reading plan done, I mean, that's necessary for your growth, for your, for your personal spiritual growth. But they're not actually kingdom work. Those things are not kingdom work. Y'all don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that now. Let's go to the same verse that's in Luke. It's the same, written a little bit different way, but it says the same thing. Let's read it in Luke. Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, verse 29. Let's start there. Luke 12, 29. It says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all of the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. It says, seek His kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God. That's His kingdom. And it says, then all these things, well, that's our kingdom. If we seek His kingdom, then He will add to our kingdom. You get that? All that stuff is us building our kingdom. But the word says seek his kingdom and then he will add to our kingdom. Did you get that? All right. So how do we seek first the kingdom? We're talking about the kingdom. Amen. How are we going to seek first the kingdom? Let's turn, flip over just a little ways to Luke 19. Luke 19, we're going to start in verse 11. And I'm going to read it mostly from the Passion because it just says it so simply. <clears throat> verse, Luke 19, starting in verse 11, it says this. It says, at that time, at this time, Jesus was getting close to entering Jerusalem. And the crowds that followed him were convinced that God's kingdom would fully manifest when Jesus established it in Jerusalem. And so he told them this story to change their perspective. All right, so he had talked, remember, we talked about this. He's, he spent all this time talking about the kingdom so much that the disciples and anybody around him, everybody around him had started thinking about the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom so much that they thought the kingdom was going to manifest right in front of them. It was just going to appear immediately, right then. And they started looking for, like, the kingdom, right? Peter even thought that since Jesus was the king, he considered him, like, a, a, a power king, that Jesus is going to go in Jerusalem and, like, slaughter all the enemy and the Romans and like be this warrior king. That's what Peter thought when Jesus said he was the king, right? And so they, they thought the kingdom was coming. The kingdom was about to appear right in front of them. And Jesus was like, hey guys, I got to tell you a story. Because that's what Jesus did. He taught with parables, right? And so he says, he says, whoa now. Let me tell you this story. And he's getting their perspective straightened out. Okay? And this is what he said. We're still in verse 12. He says, Once a wealthy prince left his province to travel to a distant land where he would be crowned the king and then return. Now the King James says, A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And so who is, in this story, who is this prince or this nobleman? Do you know? Jesus. So in this, in this story that he's telling, he's talking about himself. 
And the, the, the prince in this story is himself. And the far country where he's going to go and receive his kingdom is in heaven. And then where he's going to return to is, Amy, is earth. But he's going up to receive his kingdom and then come back to earth and then establish it. All right, so let's read how that's going to happen. It says in verse 13, Before he departed, he summoned his ten servants together, and he charged them, I am entrusting each of you with $50,000. Some versions say ten minas, minas, which is like uh, about three months' wages. So it, it, was a, it was a good deal of money. The, the Passion translates it as $50,000. And he says, I'm entrusting each one of you. He's got, he's got these ten servants coming together, and he's, he's entrusting. I'm going to entrust you with $50,000 to invest while I am away. Trade with it and put the money to work until I return. Now, the King James says, engage in business until I come back. We've heard the term occupy until I come back. Have you heard that before? Occupy until I return. So he says, here's these. Here's what I'm giving you. Now, use it until I come back. How many of you know we're getting close to his return? Amen. All right, verse 14 says, Some of his countrymen despised this prince and sent a delegation after him to declare before the royals, We refuse to let this man rule over us. He will not be our king. Who do you think that is? Yeah, the Jewish leaders. The Jews, they were against him. Right? He will not be our king. He was rejected in this story. The prince was rejected. And verse 15 says, Nevertheless, he was crowned king. And he returned to his land. And then he summoned his ten servants to see how much each one had earned and what their profits came to. The King James says that he might know what they had gained by doing their business. Okay? All right. Listen real carefully. Because you'll get caught up in the story and you lose what he's trying to say. Are y'all following? God has servants in this earth. Right? Are you one of them? He has something for his servants to do. Does he have something for you to do? Has he given you any abilities? Has he given you any giftings? Has he given you any resources? Yes, he has. Yes and amen, he has. And we are supposed to be gaining for his kingdom. Gaining for his kingdom. Did you know the Bible talks about a reward that we will receive for our work on this earth? Did you know that? Work, sometimes we think about works, you know, like earning our salvation. That's not what work on this earth is. We're going to receive a reward for the work that we do, and the work that you do is not Nathan, working as an electrician. That's not the work of the kingdom, right? It means something that profits the kingdom. Something that profits the kingdom. And there's coming a day when we're all, all of our work is going to get measured. It's going to get tested. And it's not going to matter how much you made per year. Paul, you worked your job, that ain't going to matter anymore. It's not going to matter how famous you were, right? It's not really going to matter at all what kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in. None of that is going to matter. It will not matter. 
The only thing that's going to matter is what you gained for the kingdom. And I'm going to get in y'all's business tonight. Is that all right? Can you take it? The only thing that is going to matter is what you have gained for the kingdom of God. Stick your finger right there in Luke and let's turn over to 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says this. The work of each one will become plainly and openly known, shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and the worth of the work each person has done. Y'all get that? Working toward our own pleasures, our own pursuits, things that we put all kind of effort toward and we sweat it out, you know? Things that you invest all kind of money into and time and effort and energy towards and you really work hard to get it, but they're not for gain in the kingdom. The word says those things will be considered wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when they go into a fire? They get burnt up, and they will be burnt away. All the things that we try so hard to do in this life, and they don't have any gain in the kingdom, are going to just be burnt away, gone, right? But there will be things that we do, that we have done, acts of love. Acts of service. Acts of faith. Right? Things that we have done under the direction of the Holy Spirit that cause gain for the kingdom of God. Those things will come through the fire and it says they will shine like gold, silver, and precious jewels. Have you ever thought about it? Right? And it says that people will know. People will know that you did that for the kingdom. Now today we think, well, that'd be bragging. Let me tell you, God wants to brag on you in the kingdom. It says He wants people to know what you did for the kingdom. And it will be known It says it will be known, it will not fade, it will not go away. It will be known that you did it. It will be remembered. People always trying to do something to be remembered on this earth. That ain't going to be remembered. What you do for the kingdom will be remembered in the kingdom. We don't think about this enough, do we? We don't consider these things enough. We don't consider the importance of the things that we do enough. We've become so grace-minded. Uh-oh. We've become so grace-minded that we've forgotten to be kingdom-minded. Well, everything's, it's okay. You know, it's covered by grace. And we'll be in heaven in the sweet by and by one of these days. And we have forgotten to be kingdom-minded while we're here. Right? I'm so glad I get to just leave one day and fly up to heaven and everything. All my troubles will disappear. What? And we've forgotten to be kingdom-minded now while we're still breathing on this earth. While there's still time for us to do something for the kingdom. Right? 
I need, I, if, if more people knew what I'm talking about, if more people were kingdom-minded and knew the importance of it, we would have people knocking each other out of the way to get the opportunity to do something like at this church. The, the compassion outreach, we'd have people lined up to do it if they realized the importance of what it was that we're doing. Right? If, if people knew the importance of buying a brick to build a house in Africa, we, couldn't, we would have so many bricks, we could build mansions. If people realized the importance, the kingdom gain of those things. Right? The whole town would be here for corporate prayer if they knew the importance in the kingdom versus the importance of whatever it is they have to do that Friday night. Right? We hadn't talked about this enough. This hasn't been real enough to us. Flip back over to Luke 19. Let's keep going. We're in verse 16. Luke 19, verse 16, it says, this is still the the story of the ten servants. And it says, the first one came forward. Now, now the, the, the prince has returned, right? The first one came forward and he said, Master, I took what you gave me and invested it, and it multiplied ten times. Y'all read that? In other words, what you gave me, I used it. You gave me these resources, I used it. The kingdom's just been advanced by ten times. Right? And Jesus will say, or the prince in this story will say, Good job, servant. Very good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. And then look in verse 17 at the reward that the prince, that the nobleman says. He says, Splendid! You have done well, my excellent servant. Because you have shown that I can trust you in this small matter, I now grant you authority... To rule over ten cities. Wow. Now, is this real? You know, the first part of the story, he's telling a story, but who's he really talking about? Himself. And where is he really talking about? Heaven and earth. And what's he talking about? The kingdom. That's real. So why would we not think that these... Ten cities are real. What he's saying right here is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's real. These cities are real. And they are coming. And his reward to us is authority to rule over these cities. He's telling us something real. How would you like it? Governor Jordan. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Right? Cody, ruler of ten cities. Right? It says, granted authority to rule. Alright? Verse 18 says, The second came and said, Master, what you left with me has multiplied five times. And his master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five cities. Right? Notice he got the same reward as the other guy. Do you see that? He put to use 
what was given to him and what the instruction was for him to do. Use what I'm giving you to advance the kingdom. Right? And so, I just don't think this has been real enough to us. We just read these stories and think they're just parables. They're just fairy tales. It had not been real enough. We haven't settled it in our head that these cities are real. That this reward is real. It's real. We think real is getting up on time and getting to work and promoting the company, paying our mortgage. We think that's real. And they are necessary. Don't Please don't get me wrong. They're necessary. They are important while you live, you know. And God wants you blessed. But we act like that's all that there is. We act like this life is it. I got to make the most of this life and get everything I can and enjoy it all I can because this life is it. This is it. And we think this is the way it's going to be forever, and it's not. This life is so very temporary. Right? James 4, 14, you don't have to turn there. It says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Another version says it's a mist. Poof. It's the shortest thing you will ever do. This life is the shortest thing you will ever do. Right? Think about your great, 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 great grandma. You can't think about her because you don't even know who she was, right? Think about your ancestors. Is anything that they did, you know, on this earth, working their job, paying their bills, whatever it is they did, sail the ocean blue, do you remember any of it? Does it matter to you today on this earth? It's not going to matter. But I bet you something they did while they were here, they have received, they will receive reward for it. If they're in heaven. Right? And so, here's a question. Why did he give one guy ten and one five? Why did he give one ten and one five? I mean, that doesn't seem fair. Should give everybody the same socialism. Right? Why? What? He gives each one based on their talents, the abilities he's given them, the the reach that they have, their realm of influence. He gives to each according to what he has need for them to do. Right? It's not about quantity here. It's about how much you can do with what He's given you to do with it. It's not just about how much you can do. It's what are you going to do with what He's given you? Are you faithful with what He has given you to do? If you are, you'll be a ruler. You'll be governor of ten cities. And the whole world is going to know it. Right? See... Right now, we are rulers on this earth. We have rulership to a degree right now. We are rulers on this earth over the things that concern us. Amen? We've been given authority to operate in this earth. Jesus, when he left, I've given you authority, right? He's given us authority over sickness. He's given us authority over all the things that concern us. But the problem is we're thinking too small. We only think about me, myself, and what my authority can do right now. We're thinking too small. Because there's coming a day when we will be rulers and reigners over the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. And the whole world will recognize us. 
the whole world will recognize it. You want to be famous? Look at 1 John 3. 1 John 3, and start at verse 1. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. There's a song in there. Rebecca's going to sing it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. All right? Children of God. That's what we are. Okay? That's a benefit. We know there's benefits to being a child of God. The reason, it says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Verse 2 says, Dear friends... 1 John. Yeah, you got it? Verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. What we are now is children of God. What we will be, the world can't see it yet. And so we walk around inside ourselves. I'm a, I'm a reigner and a ruler. I'm going to reign. I'm going to rule. But the world, you say that to the world, and they're going to be like, uh-uh, you're nuts. I don't know what you're talking about, but there is coming a day when they will look at you and say, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, oh, that's going to be me. Amen. Go back over to Luke 19. Let's finish that up. Luke 19. We'll go back to verse 20. Luke 19, verse 20. It says, Another came before the king, and he said this, Master, here's the money that you entrusted to me. I hid it for safekeeping. You see, I live in fear of you. For everyone knows that you are a strict master and impossible to please. And you push us for a higher return on all that you own. And you always want to gain from someone else's effort. This guy. This guy. Poor guy. Poor sad guy. He obviously does not know this master very well. He hasn't gotten to know his master very well, has he? He sounds a lot like the world, doesn't he? That Jesus, too strict, always wanting my money, always all these rules, sounds like the world, right? And he was given a job for the kingdom, and he did Nothing with it. Zero. He did nothing with it. And he even turned around and blamed the master for his own self being lazy. Right? And the ironic part is the master looks at him and he doesn't even deny what the guy says. He, did, he didn't deny that he was a strict master. And that he made requirements of people that were hard. He didn't say, no, I'm not. Here's what he said. He said in verse 22, I will condemn you with your own words. <laughs> you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming, I might have collected it with a little interest. He's saying, do, do something with what I've given you. Do something with it. You did nothing. At least invest it somewhere. You did nothing. Nothing. 
Nothing God's given us is for us to flaunt around for our own gain. God gives, God gives everyone gifts, talents, and resources. Everyone. Even those that have rejected him, he gave them gifts, talents, abilities, and resources. Even those Taliban over there, you think, oh, yes, God birthed them with gifts, talents, abilities, and resources and said, do something with it. Right? It's not for our own gain that we're supposed to use those things. Some people are super talented in music. They're wonderful musicians, but they misuse their talent for their own gain. Some of these Hollywood actors and famous singers, God gave them those talents. God gave them those abilities. And my, oh my, what they could have done with that for the kingdom. But they took what God gave them and used it for self-gain. Some people are born with great charisma. They're just awesome speakers. I mean, they speak and people just listen. And yet so many of them have misused that gift when they could have been bringing people into the kingdom. They use it for their own gain. Some people have a great gift for making money. There are business people that are just awesome at making money. God gave them that gift. People say, why is, you know, the, the, that trashy guy, why has he got so much money? Or that, that evil man over there, why does, he, why does he make so much and I'm broke? Because God gave him a gift to be able to make money, to be a good business person. And he's misusing his gift. And what he doesn't know is all that he's doing with all that he thinks he's doing over there is going to be burn up. Wood, hay, and stubble. Amen? Verse 24 in Luke 19. Verse 24, the king said to his other servants, Take that money that he has and give it to the faithful servant who multiplied my money ten times over. 25 says, But master, the other servants objected. Why give it to him? He already has so much. Now why would God give more to the one that's already got a whole bunch? Why do you think God would do that? Because clearly that guy knows what to do with it. I mean, obviously he knows what he's doing with it, what God wants him to do with it. So here, have some more. Do some more with it. I need people that are going to do for the kingdom. This guy over here is... He did nothing. So take what he was supposed to have and give it to the guy that knows what to do with it that's willing to do what he's supposed to do with it, right? Verse 26, Yes, replied the king, but to all who have been faithful, I will give even more to them. And for the ones who have nothing, even the little that they have, I will take from them. Now bring all those rebellious enemies of mine who rejected me as their king, bring them here before me and execute them. Amen? So if you don't have a whole lot of what it is that you want, are you using what God already gave you? Are you making good use for the kingdom, for what he's already given you? Don't be that guy. Don't be that one guy. Jesus is going to reign one day. He's going to reign over all of this earth. I want you to turn to Philippians 2, 19. Philippians 
Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians 2.19, it says, If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you for a visit. This is Paul talking, right? He's talking to the Philippians, sending a letter. I hope to send Timothy to you for a visit. And then he can cheer me... Or I hope you will send Timothy to visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All, look at verse 21, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. Or in other words, advancing the kingdom. Preaching the good news is advancing the kingdom. Being kingdom-minded means that we're always looking for ways to advance the kingdom. How many of you spend minutes hours throughout your day thinking out what can I do right this minute to advance the kingdom thank God there's been all these others that have done it you know we talk about brother Hagen thank God that he was willing to do what he did we talk about Smith Wigglesworth we talk about I mean think of Billy Graham thank God for these people right? That were willing to do what God gave them the ability to do. They're awesome. And if we could brag on them, we'd brag on them for a little while. They did so much and their reward will be amazing. They will be rulers over cities. Amen? But point to yourself say me what about me what have I done what have I done how can I advance the kingdom of God me 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 I'm gonna give you two ways they're real fast two ways you can advance the kingdom of God two broad categories then what you do inside these categories is what you're supposed to do. But the two broad categories is, number one, do something yourself, whatever it is God calls you to do. And number two, help someone else who is doing something. You do something or help somebody else who you know is doing something for the kingdom. That's the two ways. That's the two ways to advance the kingdom. Do something to advance the kingdom or help somebody who you know is doing something. Right? If you can't hear from God and and know what it is you're supposed to do just yet, then you better hook up with somebody who is and do that till you get word for what you're supposed to do. Amen? But we got to get determined Where do you get determined? Well, your flesh sure not going to get determined to do nothing. You got to get your mind and your spirit, mostly your mind, determined. You got to set your mind and determine, I'm going after the kingdom. What I do today is going to advance the kingdom. See, our society has gotten super uh, convenience-oriented, right? We have lost a passion, that fire, that desire that that there once was about the kingdom. We've gotten real laid back here recently. Kind of lazy, you know? Well, that church is too far for me to drive. I can't drive 35 minutes across town to get there. That's too far. 
And you want to go to heaven and God say, why don't you go to the church I told you to go to? Well, you know, God, that was too far for me to drive. And I couldn't drive in 35 minutes to get to that church. Right? They're doing all that road construction up there in front of that church. I can't, I can't even get turned in there. That's too difficult. I can't go there. Right? I'm just, I'm not good at talking to people. I can't go on a outreach to the city. I'd be too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed to talk in front of people. I can't do the internship. Right? How do we limit ourselves? We don't have a passion. By the way, she is brave enough. I'm looking right at you. We limit ourselves because we, we, we're too proud. Right? Do you think all those martyrs over there in Afghanistan would say, well, you know, they're, they're under some, there's some Christians there that are under some fire, some attack right now. Well, you know, I just can't go to that church over there. Their, their music is so last year. Do you think you'd hear them saying that? No. I just can't come to that corporate prayer once a month. You know, that'd mess up my weekend. No, they have a passion, a burning desire to do whatever it is to, to advance the kingdom. They will lay down their lives to give somebody a Bible. Miriam, you know. These people will lay down their life to get a Bible into somebody's hand. If they put the Bible in that person's hand and then they get killed, it was worth it. It was worth it. We got to get willing. We have got to let go of the our own kingdom building we're doing and get willing. Right? Spend our last dollar. Use every bit of strength and time and energy. Get up early. Stay up late. Give away all the stuff we got. Get out of our comfort zone. And give up our life if it becomes necessary to advance the kingdom of God. We got to make it worth it for us to be here. Because if we just live our life the way most people live their life and then just fly up to heaven, we made it to heaven, but did we make this life worth it? Right? Let's look one last thing. Y'all got, y'all good? Luke 18. Luke 18. Verse 22. Start in verse 22. This is uh, the rich young ruler. And he's just caught up with Jesus. This is the story of the rich young ruler. This happened. This is not a parable. This happened. This guy ran up to Jesus. And he asked him, can I be a follower of yours? I want to be a follower of you, Jesus. In verse 22, Jesus says this. Okay, sell all that you have and distribute it unto the poor. And then you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Well, who then can be saved who can be saved and he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God and then Peter y'all know Peter he's loudmouth. he strikes up and he says lo we have left all and followed you 
Now, he wasn't wrong, but he says, we left all and followed you, right? And Jesus says, verily I say unto you, there's no man that has left house or parent or brother or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who will not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. For the advancement of the kingdom of God, you may have to sacrifice some, some stuff. Right? You may have to give away some money. For the advancement of the kingdom, you may have to uproot from your beautiful home Uh uh-oh, you might have to uproot from where you live and go somewhere. Hmm. Did you know there are, there are untold numbers, hundreds, thousands of people who have missed the plan of God because of a house and a half acre lot. What I said was too big, right? They have missed the plan of God because they couldn't let go. This is my home. I mean, I live here. I I, I live right here. I, I got a farm, and look, I got these chickens, and you know, this, my grandma lived here. And they miss the plan of God because they won't give up what they got. They're holding on to something that's going to burn up. It's going to burn up. Don't be so attached to your stuff that it keeps you from doing the will of God. Amen? God might be calling you to Kansas. God might be calling you to Greenland. God might be calling you to Africa. Stay ready. He might be calling you to Auburn and Opelika, Alabama. And there is nothing wrong with that either. But stay ready. Stay ready and pursue His kingdom. Pursue advancing His kingdom with all of your being. Amy and I did a study about the heart, the mind, All of your mind, all your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. It just means all of your being. Everything that you are. Your entire self should be focused on advancing the kingdom. How? Do something or help somebody else do something. Did you know that all that we have for this church to do is not for... Because me and Pastor Allen enjoy doing it all. It's opportunity for you to connect and do something. That number two, do something to help somebody that's doing something. That's what the compassion team is for. We didn't start it so me and Pastor Allen could go up there and stand on the street. We started it so that you guys and anybody could connect and we could go and advance the kingdom. Amen? For the kingdom of God's sake is what it said. For the kingdom of God's sake, not for my sake. For the kingdom's sake. Amen? Makes me want to go start about five new ministries right now. Let's just just start five up tonight. Because we got kingdom work to do. Amen? Are y'all good? What can you do to advance the kingdom? Now, there's things that you do. Your job may be a way that you can advance the kingdom. Jordan, when you're working in that hospital, there's parts of what you do every day that in eternity are going to get burned up. They're not going to matter. But then there's opportunities in your job where you can do things to advance the kingdom and they're going to come out like gold. 
So don't despise your job. Look at your job as an opportunity. What can I do in this job to advance the kingdom? Right, Lourdes? Some things that you do at your job, they're not going to matter. They're not going to matter to eternity. Whether you played bingo or you played dominoes. But in the middle of bingo or dominoes, if you told somebody that Jesus loves them and they receive that into their heart, now you've done kingdom work. Y'all get it? That's how you do kingdom work. Kaylee's cutting hair. It ain't going to matter two cents how many heads of hair she has cut. But in the cutting, if she tells someone about Jesus or she helps somebody overcome depression or get delivered from something, now she's cutting and doing kingdom work at the same time. You see how that works? Always be pursuing the kingdom. The kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. The kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all good to go? Glory to God.